0: And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Sonny, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And one of the interesting things that happens in life is when you have the intersection of the whole thing when it comes to the separation of church and state and how people will take that and run with it. And how they have taken the definition or the meaning or the intent, I guess you could say really of the separation of church and state and caused it to be so that you can't have any religion when it comes to public schools, when it comes to government, when it comes to anything public, even like a cross on a hill, people will sue and say that it's a separation of church and state issue. People have taken and sued for, Ten Commandments being posted on a uh, courthouse, you know, or a cross that's on a government seal. So you have all this stuff going on when it comes to the separation of church and state. But then you start to look at when it gets into the sociological issues of politics and religion. So what I'm talking about in this case is abortion has reached a fevered pitch with the release of a draft by one of the Supreme Court justices that was suggesting that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade, which basically means that Roe v. Wade would be kicked back to the uh, states, and each state then can determine if they want the abortion to be legal in their state and available and make guidelines and rules and laws accordingly. And so because of this, people have both chimed in uh, from the religious standpoint as well as the political standpoint, but it's also bled into some outline issues. So for example, in this case, you have a, uh, an archbishop, I guess, I'm not really sure what the hierarchy in the Catholic Church is, but you have this pastor guy in San Francisco that has come out and said that Nancy Pelosi uh, should not get communion because of her belief in the rights to abortion And so then that has caused a fury amongst the people and the media and so forth. I think this even happened to Joe Biden, you know, when he was running for president, I don't think he was elected yet, but they were talking about, he should uh, not get communion because of his stance being pro abortion. So Dan, I thought this is something that we could kind of talk about is, you know, when you take a look at somebody like Nancy Pelosi and how she is so in favor of something that is against, theology in this case Catholicism which is supposedly her religion that she believes in so her church speaks out against something that she believes in and so the church makes a statement that because you believe in this which is opposite of what we believe as the church we're going to ban you from doing something she is outraged about it and then it's a big deal
1: well yes, on it's definitely you know hit the news and you got all sorts of different opinions and uh, ideas, and, you know, the thing that strikes me about it, San, is, is that it's really, uh, it comes down to, you know, what is the purpose of the Lord's Supper? And why would anyone, um, you know, want to participate in the Lord's Supper? Or why would there be some people who would not be ready to participate? You know, it, it is a meal for Christians. It's a meal of remembrance of the Lord's sacrifice for us on the cross. Um, it, it, it is a meal whereby Christians' faith is strengthened. Um, what we see in the New Testament is that Christians are instructed uh, to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup, because as we see in, uh, in Corinth, what was going on is, is you had uh, some believers who were sinning against the Lord's body and blood uh, by. Um, by what they were doing and they were um, they were not recognizing their fellow Christians um, there were uh, there were cliques and, and and so they were making a mockery out of the Lord's Supper and it's kind of interesting the whole Nancy Pelosi deal that you know what the Catholic Church seems to be saying is that you know you're essentially sitting against Um, the bodies of these unborn babies. I mean, they haven't used that language, but I'm kind of using that language. Um, You know, you're sitting against the bodies of these unborn babies by not advocating for them, by not taking their side, by not standing up for the most vulnerable among us, and and thereby you're doing an injustice to them. Um, You're sitting against them. You're sitting against God by your promotion of, of abortion. That seems to be their position. and. I don't know how you could argue with that position biblically, uh, because God's very clear in the Bible uh, what he says about murder. And, and so for any church body to take a position that uh, says, hey, here's what the Lord's Supper is, is about. Here's what it's not about. Um, I mean, that, you know, God has given, um, has given this uh, meal of remembrance to, to believers. And, and to administer it uh, properly, uh, but also to administer it to those who are ready for it and, and to whom it will benefit. And and so what we see in Corinth is that because they weren't ready in their hearts and they were sinning against one another, um, thereby sinning against the Lord's body and blood, uh, Paul said you're doing more harm than good, so that they were harming themselves. Uh, so I, I, I think I heard uh, that maybe... Uh, Raymond Arroyo uh, had made the comment here recently that it's really an act of mercy to, to not have Nancy Pelosi come to uh, communion um, unless and until she repents of, of, of this. And I, you can make a very strong case biblically that, that, that he's, he's exactly right. Um, you, you, you know, but there, we have this idea, I think, in the society side that everybody gets to create their own truth. Um, And here you have a politician uh, who is seemingly, although I don't know what she has necessarily said about this in response, but seemingly maybe wanting to establish church doctrine. Now, even if Nancy Pelosi's not wanting to do that, I I heard that the uh, major newspaper in San Francisco, I guess, came out with some deal that said, uh, you know, that, that maybe this archbishop or whoever, you know, I don't know if they said he should be you know, removed from his position or what. But I mean, so, so you, you've got the media there in San Francisco, maybe politicians trying to establish, you know, what, what should be the proper policy for the Lord's Supper. It's like, wait a minute, when have they ever been interested in that before? You know, when have you ever heard Nancy Pelosi talk about the gospel or the Lord's Supper or anything related to that? So it would just be rather ironic now that you'd have some in the media, let's say, and maybe even Nancy Pelosi herself, who would take issue with this. Now, I think ideally, son, this would have been best handled privately with with Nancy Pelosi rather than it becoming a public thing. Now, maybe they felt like they needed to make this announcement for multiple reasons and, you know, so that wherever Nancy Pelosi goes, other people will be aware that that this is the position that, um, you know, the Catholic Church or some of the Catholic Church are taking. So I, I think ideally it's better to handle this privately with an individual But on the other hand, because she is such a public figure and and because she is taking uh, well she's showing public support for the killing of the unborn. um, I I think you can make a very strong argument that that they were justified in making this public announcement. Um, And it's just it's just kind of a sign of the times in which we live. You're going to have people who aren't going to like that because they think everybody should get to do whatever you want to do. And including, you know, bringing that into the church. And, and, and so if we want to promote abortion in the church, we should be able to do that. If, if, if we want to, um, you know, promote, you know, marriage to multiple people, or we want to promote same-sex marriage, or, you know, things that, that the scripture says go against um, God's plan, God's design you know, the world says, well, forget about it. We need to dictate to the church the way the church needs to do it. And I don't know, you know, if Nancy Pelosi has responded to this, but, but she has chosen to be a public figure. She has chosen to, uh, you know, to be a, 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 a promoter of abortion. And the Catholic Church is in a position to say, you know, we need to establish our own uh, doctrines and our own boundaries for the Lord's Supper. And that is well within the right of any, uh, you know, any Christian church, denomination, congregation uh, to establish what they feel is the appropriate way to, um, you know, to administer the Lord's Supper. And and, and just as the church should not be, um, you know, getting, you know, going and and, uh, doing Nancy Pelosi's job for her, you know, she's responsible to the voters, she's responsible to those who have elected her so also Nancy Pelosi should not be trying to do the job of the church or the church leader. So, you know, I think if people will stay in their own lane, but um, once you come out as publicly as she has in favor of um, turning your back on the unborn, then um, I I think the Catholic church, or at least that particular, you know, Bishop is doing um, something trying to be responsible so that we don't just say, well, the Lord's supper it doesn't matter what you believe about anything. Um, and everyone should be welcome. Um, and it won't harm you, even though they were getting harmed in the new Testament by their sitting against the Lord's body and blood. It won't harm you today because we know better. You know, we know better today. Um, and we can dictate on that. We, we get to establish the rules on the Lord's supper, but knowing the shirt in the Bible, that's, you know, that was one thing, but we live in a different day. So it you was know, a crazy time in which we live. Um, but, uh, I was actually, you know, uh, I actually found when I, when I heard that song, I found that to be quite refreshing uh, in, in the sense that, wow, you know, taking a stand, um, trying to uh, make a statement that the Lord's supper is there for repentant Christians. Repentant Christians. We're all sinners. We're all as guilty of sin as Nancy Pelosi. But when you take a public position, um, on something that is sinful, then you have put yourself at odds publicly with, with what the Bible is about and the mission of the church is about. And, 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 to think, and I don't know if Nancy Pelosi thinks this or not, but to think that I can do it my way, like Frank Sinatra, I can do it my way. Um, and, and the church has to just accept it. Um, That's, that's beyond brazen. And so hopefully Nancy Pelosi just won't, you know, um, won't make a big deal of it. But I, I think it would have been good if, uh, if they'd have gone to her maybe privately. Maybe it would have been nice if she, well, I don't know. I don't know what she should have said about it. But, um, she's the one son who is choosing to take the position she's taking. The unborn babies don't get a vote on that. Um, none of them, you know, the 63 million or so aborted babies have not been able to vote on that. I know it's a very emotional issue for people. I know that, you know, God forgives those who turned to him who've had an abortion. I know our job is not to heap guilt upon those who've had an abortion. Um, never should that ever be our our, uh, our our role or our approach or our thinking. Um, but if we're not going to stand up for those who might still be born, who are unborn, they haven't been aborted yet. If we're not going to stand up for themselves, then who are we going to stand up for, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it.
0: You know, there's a couple things going on with her. So, first off, I'm not sure when she last went to church. But last week, I guess, is when the archbishop from San Francisco came out and made the statement that she should not have communion based on her stance for abortion. So, the first thing she does is go to church on Sunday and take communion. And then this week hit the news talk circuit, telling everybody that, you know, she took communion and then going and blaming everybody else. Blaming the church, why don't they go out and ban people who believe in the death penalty from taking abortion? Why don't you go and ban these other people? So right away, she made it all about herself and making a political statement for it. You know, she, her response wasn't one of, maybe I should consider this, but it was defiance. It was about myself. I'm going to mm-hmm. announce to the world. And so to me, that tells me everything you need to know about Nancy Pelosi and what she believes. She believes in herself. She's been caught, you know, misquoting scripture. We all kind of misquote scripture, but she's been caught misquoting scripture in the blanket of politics and response to things, you know? And so it's like, if you really had any type of concern about whatever, you wouldn't handle it in this way. You wouldn't automatically be defiant of the church. Say you believe in something, then become defiant of it and go and take communion. Like I said, I'd be curious as to know when the last time she went, To church was, but right away she goes to church has communion and does this thing. And so it's about her. It's about her defiance. It's about doing what she wants to do. And I think that's what happens when you get to the point where you just don't really care. And I know people say, oh, you can't judge her. But no, it comes down to the point where the Bible says you will know people by the fruits. You will know people by how they are. You know, if you are a Christian and you are Bible-believing, a Bible-following, because you could say Christian, and there's a lot of things that will fall under that category today that has nothing to do with the Bible, and so if you are actually a Bible-believing person, you will then succumb under the rules and the guise of what the Bible has to say, you know, Christ's teachings. Now, we all sin, and we all go against them, but we don't have a defiant act. If someone came to me and said, Hey son, here's where we see something wrong with what's going on in your life. Contrary to what the Bible says. Okay. And so then I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm going to go and defy against it and do it more me personally. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, maybe I should consider what they're saying. And if there's validity to it and there's truth to it, then okay, maybe I will quick example. Let's just say I was attending a church you know, arbitrary church and they, you know, a lot of churches like they do for tax purposes, they will keep track of um, your giving, you know, your tithing. Mm -hmm. So if a church came to me and said, hey, you know, you're breaking the Bible's uh, commandments about tithing. You're not giving us enough money in your tithe. Okay. Well, first I would consider what they had to say. Then I would go and check it with the Bible. And then I'd realize chances are that what they're saying is wrong and I don't have to now follow what they're saying. If they came to me and they said something to the effect of, you know, you're really uh, gossiping a lot about people. You're talking ill about people. You know, you're, you're uh, not representing a uh, positive message about people. And, you know, the Bible talks about that. You know, that you, we should lift people up, not bring them down. That we shouldn't talk bad about people. Spread gossip. Then that's something that I would take into consideration. Go to the Bible and then probably find out, oh, you know what, I probably have been slipping in this area. Maybe I need to consider it. So again, that's how I would approach it. And I think that's how a lot of Christians, Bible-believing, Bible-following Christians would approach it. But in this case, you know, she goes out there and just says, you know, I'm going to go to church, have communion, and then hit the talk circuit, and that's going to show them who I am.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Son, a very very brazen approach, Um, like you say, very much uh, about her. But, you know, that's human nature, isn't it? Human nature is nobody's going to tell me how to live. Um, you know, not even God. Um, I can do what I want to do. And, and this whole idea, Saw, that this little unborn child, that, that, that that somehow that, you know, uh, a woman or an abortion provider, you know, or that somebody has the right to snuff out that child's life. Um, you know, how did we ever get to this point, you know, in our, in our country where, um, you know that Roe v. Wade would be would would be seen by so many people as uh, acceptable. So uh, it does seem to be coming now to a head. It does seem to be getting addressed uh, for the sake of the unborn. And you know, you would hope that Nancy Pelosi would would see um, how long she's been on this, and and would start to fight, would start to defend. Um, the rights of the unborn. And yet, well, what have we seen? We've seen politicians, since this has, um, you know, become a, a big issue since the leak of that, um, you know, that that, that Supreme Court uh, document, we, we've seen politicians, uh, pro-abortion politicians, who have, like, pressed even harder on this idea of wanting to have abortion right up until birth. Now, now, fine you know what kind of a human being in their mind and in their heart can can advocate for um you know abortion right up to the moment of birth um, it, it's just beyond comprehension that any human being um that any american would see that as okay would see that as justifiable would see that as anything but cold blooded murder a brutal slaughter uh, of a baby that is maybe minutes away or an hour away or a day away from entering the world, this precious little child. And and yet you've got politicians who, who want it to be legal to kill that child. Um, it, it just, it, it so blows your mind. Um, and, and you would hope that Nancy Pelosi would see the error of her ways. Um, But it's not only her song, there are many, you know, many sadly who um, either don't see or don't care to see just how unjust, brutal, evil, and wicked it is to say we're going to snuff out the life of that child. We're not going to just kill the child, but it's going to be a painful death, but, but either way, you know, whether it would be painful or not, the idea that you can go in and kill an unborn child. Um, that maybe is minutes away from entering this world. It, it's just, it, it's beyond me. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons, son, that Jesus came and, and, and died on the cross for our sins, because, man, and this goes for all of us, but, but we so uh, messed up God's plan. We, we, we went so far away from God. Our hearts became so separated from God that we will do things to one another and say things to one another that are so wicked. We will treat one another so badly. Um, we will live in hate. We will live in murder. And, and and I can't think of a, of a murder that is more heinous than to kill a little baby that's minutes or hours away from entering this world. So, um, you know, I think more and more people, even in the younger generation, style, are recognizing this has got to stop. Uh, we cannot continue this killing, this slaughter of, of, of the unborn, and um, so that's that's where you know Christians are praying that um, that the right thing will be done after decades of, of of what we've seen in our country.
0: You know, the other thing, Dan, when it comes to this whole thing, it's the way they are approaching communion, you know, they're not approaching it from a reverent perspective or remembrance, you know, do this in remembrance of me. They're not doing it from the standpoint of, you know, here's Christ's body, here's Christ's blood broken for you so that you may receive Mm -hmm. the forgiveness of sin. You know, they're approaching it from, and really, like, who cares? Okay, so Nancy Pelosi, you want to take communion? I mean, on the grand scheme of things, you don't even probably believe in what it's really talking about or what the what it, what it represents. So, okay, so you have some wine or grape juice. I'm, I imagine it's wine in the Catholic Church and and bread. Okay, go on your merry way. You just had a snack because when it comes right down to it, you know, they're not even looking at it from the 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 message that it represents you know they're just looking at it from a political perspective or a a ritual that i guess you go through when you go through church or something you know they're not even approaching it from that it's like again people want to take communion and they want to put it in this worldly light. And we've talked about that many times, how people want to take the Bible and put it into the world instead of taking the world and going by what the Bible has to say. So they're going to come out and say, oh, I can't have communion. Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, the church and the Archdiocese of San Francisco probably legitimately, it sounded like, had biblical concerns about her taking communion based on her beliefs in abortion, whereas then the response from everybody else, like you said, the media... Nancy Pelosi herself. I remember when uh, Joe Biden, during his candidacy for presidency, there was a guy um, who said that he wasn't going to give, you know, then candidate Biden communion because of his stance in and uh, belief in abortion. And so, you know, no one even looks at it from the perspective of just like marriage. You know, it's just like marriage. Marriage is a God-given thing. It's, it's a biblical thing. If you're not believing in the Bible, then why do you care what the Bible has to say about marriage? You know, it's kind of the same thing. Okay, so you want to have gay marriage? Well, how can you invoke the Bible in something that isn't biblical? You know, that'd be like taking the Bible and saying, like, you know, when you have Notre Dame play Boston College in football and both sides are praying for God to uh, let their team win, which side's God going to listen to? You know, you're bringing a biblical thing into something that isn't there. And I think that the way people are approaching it is all wrong, which is part of the problem. And I think what people can do is use this opportunity to bring back to focus exactly what it is. I mean, we just had Easter not too long ago. And, you know, the, the, the seriousness and the severity of Christ, you know, going to the cross, what he endured, what he suffered, what that, you know, uh, bread and wine represents – You know, it's something very serious, and yet people aren't taking it very serious. And so, you know, why even, like you said, take this public for that matter? Why even put it out there? Why are people even, you know, engaging in this wild conversation about it when they don't even understand what it's about to begin with, nor do they even care to recognize what the true meaning of it is? There's no conversation about what the true meaning is. It's all about, I'm going to do it despite what the archdiocese has to say. At no point in any of the articles have I read, pundits I've heard talking about it, nowhere has anyone ever said, wait, this is what it really means. It's just all this other nonsense that goes on, which makes it a worldly thing and not a scriptural thing that they're dealing with.
1: Yeah, that's right, son. And you know, what makes this issue a million times larger than just Nancy Pelosi as an individual politician who's winding down a career um, and is wanting to go out with a bang, you know, continuing to, um, uh, you know, really uh, just turn her back on the unborn. Um, what makes it a million times uh, more important is that this really gets to the heart song of what the Catholic Church uh, wants to do and will decide to do regarding repentance um, you know, I, I, think this is an issue that many, uh, maybe in the Catholic Church have, 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 struggled with, and especially, you know, since the Catholic Church is, is so interwoven, it seems, in, um, aspects of society and the media, um, uh, in, in, in a large way. I mean, it, it seems like you've got a good number of Catholic leaders, um, who do come across as being, uh, interested in being politically correct. Um, whereas this announcement, you know, from this uh, Archbishop, this this is a move in the direction of being biblically correct from the standpoint of saying, you know what, repentance matters. Um, when Jesus did not condemn the woman caught in adultery, that was a huge gospel statement. And what Jesus said to her at the conclusion of that event was also huge when he said, go and sin no more. So the question the Catholic Church has to ask is this, are we content to tell any sinner, whether it be at private confession or at a celebration of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, or whether it be just an individual council of people, are we going to tell people, it doesn't matter whether you repent or not, Hey, you're forgiven, Go and sin or go and don't sin or go and do what feels right. But you're forgiven today. That's all that matters. Or is the Catholic Church going to do what Jesus did and say what Jesus said and proclaim what the Bible proclaims? And and that is the message of repentance. For example, in Proverbs, it says, whoever conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So what I think this Archbishop is saying to Nancy Pelosi, you come to communion and renounce abortion, you know, renounce any sin, you know, that, that, especially those that maybe you, you, you've announced public support for, whether it be gay marriage, whether it be gossip, whether it be lying. I mean, I mean I'm just saying the, the, the two that come to mind are, are gay marriage and, and abortion because those are the ones that, um, for whatever reason, people who support those things want to make a big deal of. And then, and then that, that puts Christians like us in a position of, of saying, well, either we're going to go along with it or we're going to tell you what the Bible says. And uh, and this is where you get the, the rum. This is where you get the, the tension. But, but, but the question then, Son, boils down to, um, is the Catholic Church, do, do they want to be biblical or do they want to be political? Do they want to do what Jesus did? Or do they want to do what keeps certain politicians happy? Because if they want to do what Jesus did, then their message to people won't simply be that your sins are forgiven because of Christ's death on the cross for you. Their message won't only be your sins were forgiven before you even came to communion, because you're a believer. And if you're a believer, your sins were forgiven before you even walked in this church. That's being biblical. You don't have more forgiveness after the Lord's Supper than you had before, if you're going to preach the Bible. Because the Bible says every Christian is completely forgiven. Um, And that's before you take communion or not. Forgiveness is not given out in parts. Um, you're either completely forgiven or you're not. Now, having said that, yes, God wants us to confess our sins. It's very important. very important that we repent of our sin, that we turn away from it. But is the Catholic Church going to preach the full message of the Bible, which Jesus preached to the woman in adultery, who he did not condemn? And, and he, he, he will not condemn Nancy Pelosi unless she refuses to repent of her sin. Not only the sin of abortion, but just the sin, you know, whatever other sins are in her life. And we all have sins. But there's no question, son, that the promotion of abortion, that that, that's a sin. Um, saying that this little baby that's a few minutes away from being born, you go ahead and kill that baby. That's a sin. And then you're going to try to make a law that, that, that makes it legal in your country. That this baby who's, who's about ready to be born, that you can take that life. So the go and sin no more element to the Bible is, is key. There has to be repentance, um, and that's what this archbishop uh, seems to be wanting to get at. And that is um, why 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 would we want to make a mockery of the Lord's Supper? Why would we want to make the Lord's Supper something where you can hold any position about anything, and you can make it public? Which, by the way, son, I mean Nancy Pelosi is the one who's chosen to make that public, because she's chosen to be a politician and she's chosen to take the position she has. So, so I mean. You know, it wasn't like somebody went out and like dug that up on this person who had leads a very private life. And oh, here's a person. You know, here's a person who's sitting against God, and we want the world to know about it. You know, but no, because of her position, son, and because she's made a very public um, stand on that, I think it is well within the right of, of her church, the Catholic Church. To um, to address it publicly, although like I say, I think it would have been preferable to do it one on one. But, but but there's a bigger thing going on here too, son. And I think what that Archbishop is doing is saying, "Hey, to, to the rest of his Catholic leaders across the country, really around the world, and that is, hey, guys, are we going to be serious about repentance or not? Because hey, I'll take that stand here. I'll I'll tell the priests here in in this archdiocese. I'll tell the priests here what we need to do. But this is this is biblical. This is Catholic." You know, um, and, and hoping that others would follow. But, but, but you know, it's going it, it to, you know, ultimately to individual, individual archbishops, individual priests, individual um, Catholics, just like it does boil down to every individual human being. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with the Bible? What am I going to do about repentance? And, and Jesus, his first sermon, son, was repent and believe the good news. So when he told that woman Go and sin no more. What Jesus was saying is this, and this is the message that I think, I, I hope Nancy Pelosi hears loud and clear from her Church. Uh, the, the message Jesus was telling the woman is, you're not condemned. I don't look at you as like some bigger sinner than others, okay? I mean, these Pharisees were trying to stone you. They're, they're not even, they're, they're so far through the kingdom of God, it's not even funny. They're judgmental, they're hypocritical, they're not with me, okay? But but he was not looking at the woman caught in adultery as a bigger sinner, but... He also was not sending her out, son, to continue sinning freely. And that's the message I think that they're trying to give to Nancy Pelosi. It's like, hey, the gospel is here for you. But if you're going to make a mockery out of it by refusing to repent, then that's between you and God, and we'll try to counsel you and love you and gently guide you in the right way. But we are not going to lower God's standard. We are not going to change God's message of repentance simply because you don't think there's anything wrong with taking the life of a little baby who's going to be born one hour from now. And, and, and because you're so deceived and because you're living in such darkness that would allow you in your mind to justify that, um, you want us to change what God says? No, oh, we can't do that, Nancy. We, we, we cannot do that. So um, this is going to be a challenge, Son, for the Catholic Church as a whole. Does repentance matter? And if the Bible matters to the Catholic Church, then it will matter. If, if Jesus's ministry matters to the Catholic Church, then it will matter. And that's why when I saw what this Archbishop had said, I thought, well, hey, um, now here's something to work with. Here's something that you don't hear every day. Uh, a leader that um, you know wants to take a stand for truth. And by the way, son, you know. Mainline denominations, as you know, we've talked about it, mainline denominations that are going through all the discussions about you got some people and, you know, whether it be some Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, and others, you know, uh, wanting to change the rules on marriage, wanting to say that, that you know, it's okay, we're going to marry two people of the same sex. It's the same. It's the same principle. It's like, we're, we're you know, we're going to throw repentance out the window or we're going to say it's no longer a sin, you know, we, we, if it was not a sin. Uh, fornication, or adultery, all or same-sex unions, those are not sinful, according to some. Okay? And, and some would say it's not sinful to kill the life of an unborn child. So, you know, this isn't just about, you know, the Catholic Church or Nancy Pelosi or anything like that. This is about Jesus. This is about repentance and faith. And so, if we can use the story of Nancy Pelosi to educate people about the importance of turning to the Lord in repentance, then so be it. Because I tell you, she's going to be off the scene one of these days. And she's going to have to stand before the Lord, just like the actor Ray Liotta, who, who uh, passed away in his sleep, um, I guess maybe last night, 67 years old. You know, famous people died, just like, you know, ordinary people, unknown people. And Nancy Pelosi is going to die uh, at whatever point God has for her. And she's going to have to do the same thing Ray Liotta is going to have to do in each one of us. She's going to have to stand before her creator. And what is she going to say to her creator, Son, about her support of killing the unborn? Well, that's between her and her Lord. But there's still time for her to repent of that sin. Um, and, and, I, I, and the last thing I'll say is I think that Archbishop, I hope in his heart, that was his goal for her, and that's what I think Raymond Arroyo was getting at. This is an act of mercy for Nancy Pelosi. We're, you know, we're, we're, you know, they're trying to protect her from doing even more damage to herself, to her own soul. This is already done by advocating for um, uh, abortion. So there's a lot here that requires biblical. Um, discernment, and biblical application, the love of God, a non-judgmental spirit, um, humility. And and so we'll have to see how that one plays out, Simon, but there's a lot of moving pieces, uh, that's for sure.
0: You know, the other thing that is interesting that comes from this is that separation of church and state. You mentioned it earlier as we started the uh, program when it comes to the uh, reporter, news people, whatever that say that the Archbishop should be barred or kicked out of his position or whatever, so again you have this separation of church and state, and originally the separation of church and state, which was founded by our forefathers, was that the intent was that because they were uh, fleeing religious persecution, and that the state church of England was you know keeping them from you know, practicing their religion the way they wanted to, that the separation of church and state was intended to be that there's going to be no state-sanctioned church or religion that everybody must follow. Instead, it allowed for the freedom of religion. And so what people have taken that and said, now the separation of church and state means you can't have church or religion in government. You know, so you take out prayer in school, you take crosses off hills, you take Ten Commandments off of courthouses and so on. And so anytime there's something where the government doesn't like when somebody does something, you know, they preach separation of church and state, but you can't have it the other way. So when the church now decides to do something in this case, you know, say that a parishioner can't partake or shouldn't partake in something, then everybody jumps on it and says that that person is wrong, needs to be kicked out. Well, wait a minute. You can't have a separation of church and state go only one way where you keep religion out of the state you know it goes both ways state stay out of religion you can't come in and force the church to change their beliefs to change whatever it is that you want them to change i think uh, hillary clinton you know not too long ago came out and said that you know we need to rethink christianity because it's old and antiquated basically and she was saying that you know we need to change with the changing of the times you can't come in as a state government and tell the church what to do. You know, that was a big thing that we learned with COVID. You know, John MacArthur's church, he kept his church open. He kept practicing uh, his exercising his right for uh, freedom of religion along with the freedom of gathering. But then he was sued, and all this took place, and he eventually won, which reinforced the fact that the government can't come in and tell the church what to do. The separation of church and state goes both ways, and people don't realize that. People want it to go one way. The state can come in, tell the church what to do, but the church can't do anything about it, nor should the church say anything when it goes against them, you know, and you see it all the time. You see it when it comes with, uh, you know, bakers. You see it come with florists. You see it come with all these other small business people that don't want to bake a cake or make some flowers for a same-sex marriage because it goes against their religion. People will come in and sue them for that, saying that, you know, it's a violation of whatever. But yet it's like, wait a minute separation of church and state as you want it to be goes both ways. And yet they only want a one way. And that is to oppress the church, oppress the religious beliefs of others and yet not go the other way. So when it comes to mandates of vaccines and they're like, no, we don't want we want a religious exemption. They're like, no, you can't have it. We want a religious exemption against giving, you know, contraceptives to nuns in the church or having to, you know, do that whole thing when it came to um, Obamacare, you know, the government just pushes and pushes and that's where we've gotten in this uh, state in America, in our country is that all the government and all these liberals and all these like non-Christian people, all they want to do is suppress the church and oppress the church. And they don't understand that if you want the separation of church and state, as you see it, it goes both ways and you can't come in as the state and tell the church what to do.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the right song. And as we know, the the church, the Bible, Christianity, has something so far superior to man's well-being than, than what the state can offer. The, the state can offer some protections when it's done right in this life. But here's what the state can't do, okay? The state was not able to prepare Ray Liotta to fall asleep last night and enter eternity in one of two places. There are two destinations in eternity. Both of them are extreme. Ray Liotta is in one of those today. I hope Ray Liotta is with the Lord. I hope Ray Liotta uh, knows Jesus. I've never looked into whether he's a man of faith or not. Um, I've never looked into whether or not he'd ever heard the gospel and believed it. But I know what Jesus said. And I know what the Bible says. And this is what the church says when it's following the Bible on this issue, Son. They say salvation is found in no one else but there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it's a point in the man once to die and after that the judgment. And, and so here's what that means, Son. And the state, the state can offer no help to Nancy Pelosi and her soul. No help to Ray Liotta, uh, either before he died and now that he, certainly after he's died. The only help that man has for his soul is what God's chosen to give man in his Um, 66 books of inspired Holy Scripture that make a person wise for salvation because all Scripture is God-breed. But make no mistake about it, Ray Liotta will never be in another movie. Um, You know, he's a good actor. He'll never be in another movie. He is either just absolutely beyond thrilled to be in heaven at this very second, or... He is so horrified he doesn't even know what's going on if he's in hell. But, but, but here's the thing, son. This is the message of the church to tell people, wake up. It's not just Ray Liotta that that's going to happen to. It's you, my friend. It's a point that a man wants to die and after that the judgment. Um, so there comes that moment, son, when each one of us take our last breath, the way Ray Liotta did in his sleep. Now, I hope he was a believer. I hope he knew Christ. I hope he's in heaven, son. Here's the thing for those who aren't. Let's just take somebody who falls asleep at night, uh, you know, in their, in a, in a, and then they die in their sleep. All right. Um, that's the beginning of a bad dream and a nightmare that you don't wake up from. We've all had nightmares, so. And we're very thankful when we wake up from them. By the way, anybody listening today, if you have nightmares and you want to deal with them and make them go away, ask the Lord to protect your sleep with the blood of Jesus. And before you go to bed at night, watch what happens. You watch what happens. Pray that. You want to get rid of the nightmares? Um, Use what is essentially the nuclear weapon of the spiritual realm, and that's the blood of Jesus. But I'll say this too, my friend. Um, Far more important than having a good night's sleep without a nightmare is having eternity without hell. And the way to do that is also with the blood of Jesus. Um, turn to the Lord today in repentance and faith and say, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. There it is again, the blood of Jesus, the nuclear weapon. Now, I don't know something. interesting now, you know, with the, with the Lord's Supper, you know, uh, we're, we're dealing with this holy meal and we're talking about the Lord's uh, body and blood and his sacrifice on the cross. I mean, it all comes back to the blood of Jesus, doesn't it? You know, I mean, I, I mean a person can either enter eternity with their sins and no forgiveness without repentance, without faith in Christ, without forgiveness, and they can wake up in hell. And that's the, the brutal reality of it, son. And, and, and yeah, Jesus loved us enough to tell us that. He said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And you know, son, we're living in this little fog. And I think even with people who die, you know, we just kind of forget about the fact that they're more alert now than they have been their whole life. That Ray Leona right now is way more alert than he was. I mean, not to say he wasn't alert. He didn't seem to have any, you know, memory issues or anything. I mean, he was a 67. But i say he's way more alert now, whether he's in heaven or whether he's in hell. And I hope he's in heaven. But he is in one of those two places. And it all depends on, on whether or not he repented and believed the good news of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And that's absolutely the way it is. And, and so this uh, is why the state can do very, very, very little compared to the, to the church, compared to the Bible, compared to Scripture, when we're presenting it correctly. Um, God's given us the words of eternal life. God has revealed to us the secrets of the kingdom. And my friend, if you want to know the secrets of the kingdom, um, receive the Messiah into your life, and you'll, you'll learn. Because it, it's there in the Bible, but you're not going to really get it until you receive Christ as your Savior. And that's not what I hope Ray Liotta did because no more movies. Now, he's either just, you know, excited out of his skull in heaven or just absolutely terrified by suffering in hell. These are the two options, son. It's not like, well, hell has some warm beer and heaven is is kind of like, you know, um, this white place with heart music. No, heaven is a million times better than you can imagine. Hell is a million times worse. All right? And so wherever Ray Leone is, he will not leave that place for all of eternity. So the state knows nothing of what I just said. The state has no clue, no ability to lead a person to everlasting life in heaven. That's not the role of the state. So you're you're, you're pointing out, right? We have to keep these two separate. Because the minute we start looking to the state to save our soul, oh, heaven help us. Um, the, the minute we as Christians start to think that somehow being American is is a higher calling than being Christian, then we've lost sight. I mean, yeah, we're very thankful to live in America, and and very thankful for the sacrifices that uh, men and women have made for our freedom, and and very um, very patriotic, and that's all well and good. But that is on a second tier. The first tier is where our Heavenly home is with the Lord, our King, um, the one who died for our sins on the cross, the one we serve. And the state has not been able to give us that song. Uh, The state can provide. The state can do do some things. But the state is made up of sinners. But the leader of God's kingdom is sinless. He's perfect. And Ray Leona either knew him or he didn't. But he is going to stand before him on Judgment Day, which hasn't happened yet. But Ray Leona, his soul, son, the minute he died in his sleep, his soul either went to heaven or hell, and I hope it went to heaven. But people need to stop and think about that right now, that that very man, that very person is more alert, this very second. And that's going to be the same for everyone listening and every one of our relatives and everyone in the world. And that's what makes the message that God's given us so urgent to get out to the world. And it makes everything else just pale in comparison, like politics. That's not even anywhere close to this, because regardless of of what happens politically, um, you're still going to stand before God on Judgment Day. And so am I. And the only thing that can wash away your sin is the blood of Jesus. Just as it says in Revelation, where John uh, sees this vision of all these people standing before the throne of God, Um, you know, uh, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? These are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, sign for a person to get into heaven, my friend today, if you're listening, just say, turn to the Lord and say, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Will you say that today? Wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. And then say it tomorrow and say it every day. Not as though you're not already forgiven, but say it because it's the most important thing you could ever say to God. And, and because like Ray Leona, you and I are going to pass away one of these days. It may not be in our sleep, the way Ray, Ray passed away in his sleep at 67. But, I mean, one second we're going to be here. The next second our soul is going to leave our body. And it's going to go to one of two places. And those who know Jesus go immediately to be with the Lord in heaven. So, so it's an exciting day to spread the gospel because with all of these other messages out there and all this political stuff that's going on and, and um, like you said, you know, politicians trying to control what goes on in churches or change. Biblical teachings, um, we've still got the message. God's given us the message that saves a soul. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And and that is light years ahead of anything the state's ever going to come up with. Um, so it, it's a good day, son, to be a Christian. It's a good day to spread the gospel. And, um, you know, our work's cut up for us. we still got a lot of people we want to reach for this good news.
0: Well, that's the thing, Dad. I think a lot of people, they sit there and they focus on life here on Earth, and they don't realize that it's short. They don't realize that we have an expiration date and that pretty soon the things that go on in this world aren't going to matter anymore because we're not going to be in this world anymore. And so we're focused so much on the petty stuff that's going on you know, in our lives and not focused on the long term, you know. So, for example, if we were going to use Nancy Pelosi as an example, you know, instead of being petty and running off to church and taking communion and then going and hitting the talk shows and talking about it, you know, Uh you would think, okay, well, there's other things that are more important, like the killing of an unborn or the homelessness. Or, okay, you're going to say, why doesn't the church – ban people who believe in the death penalty well maybe there's a crime issue that we need to look at you know maybe there's these other things uh homeless issues i mean her her district you know just take a look at her district and you'll see how horrific the conditions are of the people that live in her district i mean it's like she has no compassion on anything except herself And it's evident in her fruits. It's evident in the fruit that she produces. But we as people, you know, we talk about these issues because it's the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective to try to, to bring awareness to things. But, you know, in reality, you know, we can be going out there and we can be doing things to spread the message about the importance of, and the real reason why there's communion, the real reason why we need to confess. And again, we don't need to, from my perspective and belief, you know, we don't need to go to a priest to confess our sins. We can go directly right. to God, you know. So there's a Amen. lot of things in the Catholic Church that I'm not agreeing with, but um, in this particular case, confession is a good thing. But we can go directly to God for it. Sure, you know, that's right. Um, we can take communion and remember the the death on the cross to give us the forgiveness of sins, because mm-hmm. we can have eternity in heaven. Then after that, um, you right. know, and that's the message that we could be spreading and and trying to get out there but i think we're just too narcissistic as a society on a whole that it's about us it's about us it's about us and we see it everywhere we go i mean look at we had this texas shooting and there's a press conference and beto o'rourke bombs the press conference and creates a ruckus to try to make a political point point. I mean, where's the compassion for the people that are suffering? You know, where's the compassion on the parents that just lost a child, you know? And yet we're still rushing to impose gun laws and all this stuff because people, I don't really think, care anymore in society. They're only worried about themselves, what they believe, and what Twitter tells them to believe. And if you go beyond that, I mean, we've talked about several things and I've, I've noticed over the years people that I was associated with either through work then connected online, like through social media, for example, I've noticed that these long time friends so to speak on social media are no longer there anymore. And they've dropped me because we've been talking about, cause I post these you know, podcasts online. We've been talking about things and because they're so pro choice and we talk about abortion, they've dropped me as friends. Um, you know, and so it's like, that's all people care about. They don't care about the, the actual what's going on, you know? So in Nancy Pelosi's case, what's actually going on with communion? What does that represent? What's actually going on with abortion? What's going on with why? I mean, here's another thing. I always ask the question now, this is when people bring it up because the case of rape and incest now tends to be the major focal point of abortion. Right. And so people will say, well, what about a 16 year old? What about a 15 year old? You know, I'm thinking to myself, well, if you really cared about a 15 year old being pregnant, every single state in the union, that's statutory rape. Why aren't you going after the person that's raping these young kids? You don't care about that. You've never once mentioned that there should be, you know, if I get shot and I go to the hospital, there's a mandatory report by the hospital that they have to call the police because a gunshot wound as an educator, You are uh, it's a mandatory report that if you suspect child abuse, you have to report it. So there are instances where you have to, by law, mandatory report things. If you really cared about it and you were pro-abortion, you would say, okay, I believe in abortion, but if there's a 15-year-old, they should have to mandatory report that a 15-year-old is having abortion because there was a crime involved in the statutory rape and there should be an investigation. But people don't care because all they want is what's going to serve them here on this earth alone as opposed to the the wellness of the child or the meaning behind what the eucharist stands for or the fact that there's other issues out there people with serious issues you know fentanyl is a big problem in this country and yet we focus on you know what johnny depp and amber heard and their trial defamation case i mean I think our priorities and stuff are so mixed up that you know it would be great if we had a great revival, um, but honest, I don't see it coming. And I think it's going to be yeah. up to us individually at the grassroots level to go out there and to spread the message as best as we can, so that the message gets out there. Because on the mass level, I just think the society is just too corrupt, and the message just gets too corrupt. Yeah. Um, in the name of wokeness and political correctness that even some of these mainstream pastors are starting to get off base on their saying and so it's going to require us collectively that truly believe what the bible has to say to get that message out there and to try to share the mercy the love the gifts that jesus wants to give to us yeah that
1: and that's absolutely right son and You know, it really takes a person coming under the conviction of their own sin to see how desperately they need the gospel, how desperately they need Christ. You know, one of the things that we can miss when, and we all do this, you know, when when we're focused on those sinners that the media is highlighting, like Nancy Pelosi and others. Okay, Um, we we can miss our own sin um, as individuals, and the people who sign who miss out on salvation are those who never saw how terrible their sin was in God's eyes, but how wonderful their Savior is, or at least who could have been their Savior. If they had trusted Christ, he he would have saved them. So it it really comes down to not what, where did somebody else fall short, or where are they messing up, but how far am I from God because of my sin? And the Bible says we are so far from God, and they separated us, you know, as far as the East is from the West from God. And yet, when Jesus died on the cross, He bridged that gap. And so, if you think, like picture like the Grand Canyon, and and picture a cross. Uh, if there was a cross that was there, right in the center, connecting one side to the other, where you could walk across on the cross, and and uh, and then when you get um, to the middle of the cross. Imagine there being like some doors that open, so you go through uh, there at the, the top section of the cross to the other side, and you walk all the way across. Son, that is what happens when a person receives Jesus as Savior. They walk across the bridge when you repent of your sins and trust Jesus to forgive you. You cross over the Bible says from life to, uh, from death to life. You cross over from death to life, and you're saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. And then you're given an eternal inheritance that you don't receive until you get to heaven. Which if Ray Liotta was a believer in Jesus, then he started to experience the the wonder and the beauty of heaven. If he was an unbeliever, then according to the very words of the only person who's lived a perfect life on earth, Jesus, then if he was an unbeliever, um, then uh, his soul went to hell. Not because God wanted it to go there, But because that's where sinful souls go, you know, apart from forgiveness. So I hope he was a believer. I hope he was trusting in Christ because he's more alert today than ever before. But that's the bridge, son. That is the bridge, the bridge of Calvary. Um, And and this is what Jesus did when he died. Before, you know, apart from Christ dying on the cross, we would have no bridge. We would be separated from God. And when we die, we would just get thrown off the edge of the, the cliff down, down, down we go. Um, and, and that's, that's hell. Uh, that's eternal punishment. Um, Jesus spoke very clearly about heaven and hell. So, so this is the message, son, to help wake people up, whatever they've gotten distracted by sin, temptation, drugs, politics, um, their hobbies, their careers, money, Uh, you know, my friend, whatever it is that's consuming your mind. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what's going to be consuming your mind in a hundred years. Your mind will be consumed with the extreme conditions you find yourself in. And I can guarantee you, based on God's word, you will be in extreme conditions. Heaven is so extreme, you know, for the good and the joy. Hell is so extreme for the agony and the suffering and the pain. Jesus said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. And yet, in Psalm 16, 11, it says, if You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, but the eternal pleasures at your right hand. The eternal pleasure. So what I would encourage you to do right now, my friend, is you listen to this. And, and I would urge you to do it right away. Say to the Lord, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. Put your faith in Christ today. Trust in him today. Make sure that you don't go to bed tonight the way Ray Liotta did last night. And assume... You're going to wake up tomorrow morning because you may not. And I may not. Don't go to sleep tonight. Don't put your head on that pillow. Without first saying, wash me, Jesus, in your precious blood. Yes, Lord, guard my dreams with your blood. Protect my dreams from any nightmares. But oh my friend, you got to do a lot more than that. Um, you, You want to focus on a lot more than just a good night's sleep. Focus on eternity. Ask the Lord to wash away your sins. And then you'll be given the free gift of eternal life. And it's that easy. It's so easy because it costs God so much. But humble yourself before the Lord, repent and believe the good news, and just say, wash me, Jesus, with your precious blood. And say that until you know that you know that you know your sins are forgiven. Because they will be forgiven instantly. But sometimes it takes a while before we really have the assurance that, that we want to have. Just keep focusing on the gospel promise, reading the Bible, meditating on God's promises, that assurance will come. D.L. Moody said, faith is the root, assurance is the flower. Assurance is the flower. So, you know, here we are in springtime. Flowers have been popping up all over. Faith is the root, assurance is the flower. Make sure your faith is in Christ. Make sure your faith is in Christ. And then the flower will grow, and one day you'll wake up in heaven, and it will all be good. And so for Ray Lione today, there's no going back, no more movies. I want you to think about him tonight when you go to bed. I want you to remind yourself tonight: Ray Liotta is either in heaven or hell, and we all hope he's in heaven. We all hope he's in heaven, but there are many who don't get there. This is the very hard but true teaching of Jesus. And when I say hard, it's hard to hear. But we, you know, it's like if you go to the doctor and he gives you bad news. That's hard to hear. What was Jesus going to do? Lie to us? Not tell us the truth? Not tell us the right stuff about heaven and hell? No, he told us the way it is. And that's why today is a day of salvation. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Just come to the Lord today. And um, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at God's grace and goodness. Uh, Just as millions of of, of people have found out when they placed their faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Dan Dozell with us, as always, as we talk about the things of this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, as we move forward, it'll be interesting to see if there's any more fallout from this or if it's just another new story that passes on, but all we can do is can continue to put our faith and hope in the Lord and know that one day we will be in heaven, in paradise, and the rest of this earth and the things that go on will be, uh, will be passed on. And so we appreciate your time Amen. and your comments and everything that you have to, to share with us. And we look forward to many more conversations as uh, the Lord allows.
1: Well, I sure look forward to that too, Son, And when you made that comment, the, the verse that popped into my mind was, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Ray Liotta is now seeing things that are eternal. In his, et- He's reached his, his eternal destination. Um, what is seen, my friend, is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Keep your eyes on what you don't yet see, but believe by faith what Jesus has done for you. So thank you, son. I really uh, appreciate all you're doing to get the word out there and to just be able to partner with you and your exciting podcast so I look forward to our next visit.
0: And for uh, those of you listening, hey thanks for listening. You can always find us on uh, radiowarp.com. That's radio w a r p. radiowarp.com. You can click on the Sanctified Reason logo and then all of our shows pop up. And so we appreciate it. Do tell a friend and until next time, God bless.